no other religion had a person say that they came from God and then were resurrected. Mm -hmm. So no other person in any other religion, that's why the resurrection is the hinge of all of this. Mm -hmm. If he wasn't resurrected, there is no Christianity. Mm -hmm. If he was resurrected, then every religion is wrong. Mm -hmm. What did you do to your face? What did I do to my face? I was shaving and I cut my face. And I must have hit something because it's bleeding like crazy. And it's been, that was about two hours ago. And it's still bleeding and I can't get it to stop. So <laughs> I remember when I first got here, I, I, you, we were recording something. I think it was a sermon for the weekend. And you had a Band-Aid on your neck or on your face or right, something like right, that. Right. And I just thought, like, maybe he wants to keep that on or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and no. then Heather was was not a big fan of that. She's like, why did you tell him anything? Like, yeah. he just made me look so stupid with the Band-Aid on my face. I wish you guys would have seen it when he first uh, saw it, when he first came in here. Because he comes in, it's this well, big old Band-Aid looking like a mustache <laughs> yeah, on his face. right across my chin. It's the worst place possible to have it happen and then there, we did videos for a small group video, and there was a fly that was sitting on the side of my face that, that I didn't swoop away. And everybody to commented not about the video itself, but the fly that yeah. made a guest appearance in the video. There was a, yeah, it was a mosquito. And that thing was, I, I swear I could see it expanding as we were continuing the video. It was like sitting on his face or on his neck um, in our Life Hack series on rest. And it, 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 it was literally there. Like resting the, the second yeah the second half of the video just man the, so if the you're watching this podcast you if you're listening to this you're wondering you're like, what are you what talking is... about but if you're watching it there's just a big it just won't stop i'm like it like just actively bleeding back. on the stage or on the at the table here so <laughs> so yeah so if you guys are listening right now you'll have to make your way over to our youtube channel uh, to check it out because it's pretty funny anyways so today that's not what we're talking about we're actually talking about um, kind of un a universalist perspective, yeah. And how do you how do you reach people uh, from a perspective of you know a secular worldview that would look at Christianity, which is very popular right now? So as you as a Christian, and I look at you, and I see you with my mindset trying to force yourself on other people's religions, and you're not being respectful. Why are you right? And why are other people from other cultures wrong? I just look at that and seeing and seeing you as just being rude or bigoted or closed-minded, right? So right. Well, and it plays into this whole theme that you're seeing in a lot of universities that's being taught and has been taught for a number of years mm -hmm. that there is no truth. That truth is really whatever you believe it needs to be, but even even when you believe this is your truth, um, many professors saying truth, that's not even fair. Truth is not even real. It doesn't exist. There is no truth. Very much like we would say perfection doesn't exist because what's perfect for you is not perfect for me. What's excellent for you is not excellent for me. It's if you're in a workplace somewhere, your boss may say, we need to be excellent in what we're doing. And your idea of excellence may be different than his idea of excellence. Exactly. And, and so that's the kind of undercurrent that we're living in in our culture. And then, and if you're told 
from a very young age that there is no truth or truth. You be you, mm-hmm. which means you don't change, you don't grow, you don't worry about interacting with the rest of culture. You be just who you are. And if other people don't like just who you are, then that's their problem. That's not your problem. So mm-hmm. if you're a liar, you just be you. Mm-hmm. If you are have a terrible temper, you just be you. You mm-hmm. be a person with a terrible temper. And what we find out is if, when you just be you, mentality often leaves people pretty lonely mm-hmm. because nobody wants to be around people who are just you be you. We all are in the process of growth and mm-hmm. change. And there is, if you believe in the Word of God, it provides a not just a moral code, but it provides a truth, something that's substantial and stable. And and I'll tell you what hell is, is no stability. Mm-hmm. It's instability. Mm-hmm. When you can't trust anything mm-hmm. to be true. I mean, imagine what, with AI, this whole world with AI, what do yeah. you think about AI and all this stuff coming up with this? All I know is it's cool pictures that come out you ever seen the ai photos where it's like jesus with his disciples or it's like what would it look like jesus taking a selfie or what would it what would heaven look like and so people you can type in bible verses and it creates like a picture of that's all that's about the extent that i know about that app i mean ai you type in uh it's even uh, something we, we when we were in italy we were fooling around in some downtime, yeah. you can create a whole sermon series on AI. You oh, can, I've seen that. You can write a, your resume literally in AI, and it's just perfect. Um, but but like one of the things they're coming up with with AI is they did this on Joe Rogan's uh, podcast. They did a whole podcast uh, with Joe Rogan, and it wasn't really him. He watched it and he's like, that's me. That sounds like me. That even is my words. There's like, he couldn't tell that it was a, what, you know, what we've heard a lot of deep fake, wow. that it was a deep fake. He, but they did a whole, and they put in his mouth words he wasn't even saying. That's crazy. So imagine if you can't even trust what you're watching with your own eyes, because did he really do that? Or mm. is that something that was created to make us all mm. think that they did that? And we, we don't think it's that big of a deal now, uh, when it's done to other people, but when it's done to you, or mm-hmm. if something like that is done with you, it's it's going to be a pretty serious thing. But what it creates is when you don't know what is true or not, it creates this insecurity mm-hmm. and this because there's no stability, nothing exactly. that you can grasp grasp onto. And so this whole way of thinking of there isn't truth. It's on. There is no such thing as truth. Yeah. Um, it, it's really, it's going to create depression. It will create yeah. a mental response to it that just will be destructive into society. And it, because it, it's not true mm-hmm. that there is no truth. I feel like people are living in almost what they think is like the Truman Show. Have you ever seen the Truman yeah. Show with oh, Jim yeah. Carrey? Right, right. Where he starts to figure out that his whole life is literally in this dome, in this movie set that had been created for other people's enjoyment to watch him grow and live a life. And he thinks everything is real, but it's literally all fake. And and he comes to this realization. I feel like a lot of people, they have this idea that, you know, I'm going to be duped or I'm like, you know, I don't want to be a sheep in the system and I got to like push against everything. and, and, And they stand for nothing because of that. And there's like a cynicism I think that's crept in where people are, it's so hard for, for people to believe. I even look at, because sometimes I wonder, I'm like, 
were people just more naive back in the day for thousands to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Or are we just today so much more cynical? Because Paul would, he would, he would address Gentiles, meaning people that weren't from like Judaism, they weren't Jews without the law. And these are strange concepts and Jews alike. He would look to their scriptures and point and prove the resurrection. And through his reasoning, many would walk away and believe, or they would invite him to, hey, come speak right. again on this. But you don't like, now you don't see that as often. And when you do, like when we went to uh, to Florida and we're like evangelizing and stuff, I would tell this good news to people and people would be like intrigued. But then when, when it was time to act on that decision, like a simple prayer or like, hey, like we're at the ocean and they're already swimming. I'm like, do you want to go get baptized yeah, well, on this? It was I, that's like, because Whoa. we've turned Christianity into rules and behavior yeah. instead of a message. Exactly. And and um, and and many people have turned it into a religion. The unbelievers and even believers have turned it into a religion. the The reality is Jesus will always be the cornerstone. Yeah. You'll either believe in him or you will not. You'll mm-hmm. either believe in the resurrection or you're not going to believe in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about a man. From Nazareth, yeah, who went to fishermen, mm-hmm. and it all started in the most humble of places. Yeah, these men went and ran and hid hmm. after the crucifixion of Christ, which is historically relevant and true. Mm-hmm. And there's no arguing that Jesus was crucified on yeah. the cross. These scaredy cats that went running into a, a back room to hide only a few days later got a dose of courage mm-hmm. from what? Mm-hmm. Why would you eventually become a martyr for a lie? Yeah. If Jesus was not resurrected and he died, why would you for a lie? Mm. Everything really revolves around Jesus, not the teachings, not all the rules, yeah. not even the behaviors. It all revolves around Jesus and and all of the other stuff really follows exactly. our belief in Christ. It's not mm-hmm. what we do to be Christians. Exactly. It's what we become after we find Jesus exactly. and we recognize the, the, the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus even said it in a parable. He said this in Luke chapter 20, and about, I'm having a hard time seeing this, about seven, he talks about the parable of the tenants. Hmm. And, and he says, listen... Um, there was a, a king that that puts in this mm. vineyard, and he hires people to take care of the vineyard. Yeah. And when he sends his servants to come to do it, they say, hey, let's kill the servants and not give the, the king and owner of the vineyard what belongs to him. We'll just keep it to ourselves. So they kill these servants. Eventually, the, the owner of the vineyard says, I'm going to send my son. Surely they won't kill my son because mm-hmm. he represents me. And they said, hey, this is the son. Let's kill him. And then you'll have no heir. So the son comes and they kill him as well because they don't they they don't really recognize who he is and and I think in many ways um, you know we're going to talk about something that I think is pretty cool but to set it up and to set up the thinking of it is the the you're it's an experience you're going to not only know it you have to experience it. And, nice tagline from our podcast. Right, right. <laughs> you you have to you have to experience the truth, and yeah. the experiencing the truth is different mm. than just knowing it and exactly. having being convinced by knowledge. You're convinced by I have experienced. It's like 
you can't see the wind, but you believe in the wind because you experience it. Exactly. You experience the power of it. Mm -hmm. We harness the power of wind, never see it. We don't know what's moving that windmill around, but we call it a windmill because we know the thing spinning it is the wind, the Mm -hmm. force of the wind. We don't understand what's changing. We don't see the thing that's changing people's lives, but we see that their lives are being changed and not in their own power. We know there's something working, and if it coincides with their commitment to Christ, you can you can say, "Hey, this is the power that's changing people." Mm-hmm. That the 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 reality is, uh, that Christ, um, the resurrection of Christ, which people may never have experienced. We've seen how these fishermen and led a movement that would surely have died. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't real, yeah, exactly. And and you had said something that I thought was interesting. You said there's people all over there denying that you know that this is real or something. You see that? No, it's not. Around the world, mm-hmm. Christianity is growing faster than yeah. any other religion by twice as much. Mm-hmm. Um, that people are experiencing the power of God. Yeah. You can in America, we get so. Focused in our little bubble, thinking mm-hmm. the rest of the world thinks like we think when it comes to Christianity. They don't. Yeah. Not at all. That we are being deceived by the voices that we hear mm. in our nation that are trying to convince us to believe a lie. Hmm. Yeah. That's like in in this society of access to knowledge like this, right. or an oversaturated I was I was reading, this is what I was telling like our group of like in an oversaturated culture of the gospel, um, we think we it's leaving people thinking they know the gospel without ever really understanding or perceiving right. it in their heart. So it's tricked them, making them think, oh, I've already, I know this, like it's not for me, but they don't know. Like there's a, there's a, a scripture again, I, I talked about this last week, but in the Areopagus where Paul is, is talking to the Athenians, what I thought was interesting is that these Athenian people, they were in a city, it was a city full of gods, and actually in another source, Patri, Patrionis or whatever, he was an author during the reign of Nero, which would have been the time of Paul, he wrote about Athens and made a joke basically saying that the, the quote from his book was talking about how it's easier to you uh, for you to... Uh, you know, encounter a god than a man in this city because it was just so, right. so many gods. And it says in, in the scripture, it says that these these Athenian people, what they did in their free time was telling about new things that they have learned and hearing new things they've learned. That's all they did, much like us today. But I, what I found was interesting is that of all those pantheon of gods and all these different cultures that they would have encountered, you know what they said about the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is new and strange to our ears. Can you come and, and tell us more about this, this Jesus that is resurrected? It was foreign. Never heard about it. And I think because and it we... And yet overtook all the other gods because that whole Roman Empire different. during that period of time became a Christian-minded yeah. uh uh, empire. It's different. Like that's what I tell people. I'm like, I I know like it sound it is. You think it's biased because it's coming from a Christian, but I'm telling you, this is different from your worldview. And the reason why what we're going to be getting into, the reason why we are, you know, trying to persuade you into believing this is because we came across evidence that is substantial where we can't go back to the way we once lived right, or viewed things. Right. It's not about knowledge. It was. 
we experience something and this something is different, right? Mm-hmm. And so this uh, this demonstration or illustration, I should say, is the it comes from Frank Turek. It's actually one of my favorite apologetists. He has a book called um, uh, he ca- has a book called "I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist." He was a former atheist that turned theist that became a Christian, but it was apologetics. Do, do, do you know what's interesting too when yeah. you're talking about this? Because you're talking about he was an atheist that became a Christian because he didn't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I've been around the world, not as much as some, but more than others, yeah. is I, one of the things that you find common when you get to know people in other nations is they really do view Americans, they kind of laugh at us as how gullible yeah. we can be. They, mm-hmm. And they'll, and it's a common thing that no American, they're like, Americans are very gullible. If we tell you something is this old, um, you'll believe us. In fact, a number of years ago, on uh, 2020 or Dateline, or they said they 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 averaged we they found the tomb of Jesus with a body and his wife Sarah and a small yeah. child, and he had it, and they had all of this, and they made up all of these claims based on the just physical remains that they say were Jesus. No ability to prove it was Jesus, but later found out. And a small clip after they gave a whole episode on how Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene, they believed, mm-hmm. and all of these. And you had all their so-called experts that came out and gave their opinion. Americans ate it up. Mm-hmm. Only a few months later, they realized they had been duped. And mm-hmm. the guy who had told them all about it, and this was it, said he actually fabricated the whole thing <laughs> and knew that Americans would eat it up and yeah. made a ton of money off of it. But it was all fabricated. Because it supports their skepticism. Right. And so it was like, oh, we, we jump on it, right? Uh, so it's there's interesting. A, inside of all of us, in the end, we know there's a God. Mm-hmm. And now the question is, how do we approach him? What God is right? We exactly. know there's a creator. This idea that we came from amoeba and a marsh, most people, they just ultimately don't believe that. So then we come down to the next spot of, how do we interact with this God or gods? Mm-hmm. And most of the known world after Jesus believed in one God. Exactly. The pagan nations of, of the Roman Empire and Alexandria Empire, Alexandrian Empire, all of those pagan gods that they all kind of went to the wayside when, when uh, Jesus became uh, the representation of God. Exactly. And, and, no other, no other religion had a person say that they came from God mm-hmm. and then did what they and then were resurrected. Mm-hmm. So no other person in any other religion. That's why the resurrection is the 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 hinge of all of this. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't resurrected, there is no Christianity. Mm-hmm. If he was resurrected, then every religion is wrong mm-hmm. and Christianity is the right resurrection line. validated the teachings of Jesus right. and everything that he claimed. That's if, right. if the resur- that's why Paul says if the resurrection didn't happen, we can all just go home and we should be pitied among all people for our belief that's in right. this this false messiah. The the resurrection is the evidence of Jesus's teachings and who he claimed to be. So we're going to we're going to check this out and we're going to stop along the way and just kind of give like a, a reaction to this. Are all religions true? Um, and he gives an example of of this, the 
the six blind men and the the elephant. The um, African elephant. The African elephant. So yeah. that's what we're going to be talking about today. And none have all the truth. And this is quite often illustrated by the six blind men and the elephant. You ever heard this parable? This is what professors often use to try and convince students that, you know, religions don't really have the truth. They kind of share the truth, but they're not really, one is not really more true than the other. They think they have the truth, but they really don't. And it's illustrated this way. There are six blind men, six blindfolded men, and one feels the ear of the elephant and thinks it's a fan. Another feels the side of the elephant and thinks it's a wall. Another grabs the tail and says, no, 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 this is a rope. Another one grabs the leg and says, no, this is a tree. Another grabs the tusk and says, this is a spear. And another, of course, grabs the trunk and says, no, we've got a great snake here. Now, these six blind men are all supposed to represent the major world religions. They think they have the truth, but they don't really have the truth. They may have a piece of the truth, but they don't really have it. Now, how do you basically refute the conclusion that no religion is the truth? Here's the question to ask. What is the perspective of the parable teller? No, this is good. the perspective of the parable teller here? Can anyone tell me? Go ahead, loud, what? The parable teller can see everything. He can see the whole picture. The parable teller has an objective vantage point. Exactly. It's like our position. Mm. We're looking at it, we're going, you knuckleheads, that's an elephant, right? <laughs> so once you have an objective position, you can really see the truth. So what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is once I was blind, but now I see. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, if you take off your blindfolds <laughs> and see, yeah. you can see it's absolutely true that that is a... Elephant. Kind of stealing a, it's not a, a principle rope, there. That it's not a snake, that it's not a spear, a wall, or a tree, or any of those other things. It's an elephant. So truth is not mm. relative to the individual, otherwise we wouldn't know the blind men were mistaken. We have an objective viewpoint, as the parable teller does, and we can see that the blind men were mistaken. Also, you can't know someone is wrong unless you know what is right. Let me state that another way. You can't know that someone is not right unless you know what is right. So for you to say that, no, that's not a fan, that's not a spear, that's not a rope, etc., you would have to know what it is, correct? So the bottom line to the whole thing is the pluralist believes everyone is blind but him. You, you know what he, yeah. like, that's what I find so interesting is because that's what we're, they're on their high horse, like people yeah. that don't have stock in any religion, they look at those that believe in a religion or subscribe to a religion as being the, you know, oh, man, it's just, it's like every argument is so like, well, it's interesting. It's interesting because they're the ones that said, let's all get along and then believe that's the correct position. We just all need to get along. The reality is, um, there are two kingdoms. Mm -hmm. What if there are two, what if there are two kingdoms mm -hmm. and one kingdom is set on destruction and other on life? Mm -hmm. They aren't going to get along. That yeah. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace in the world, but mm -hmm. through my life, uh, there's going to be a, di a, a dividing yeah. brother from sister and sister from brother, parent from child, based on faith. That The reality is uh, we'll never live in a world where everybody will just get along, and mm -hmm. we think because we're, we're the right one. Mm -hmm. And we create, like the pluralist, what yeah. he's just saying, creates this that everybody's looking at this, you know, the same thing. And, and in some respect, we are. Yeah. We're all looking at a creator. Every mm -hmm. one of them point to God as being gods mm -hmm. or God. Yep. Their description of God may be wrong, but 
the essence of what they're saying is there is a creator yeah. of some kind in some definition there is a creator and all of us could be sitting here going our definition of the creator is right until jesus came mm -hmm. exactly there were prophets that pointed to god as the creator mm -hmm. but jesus said i am the creator and this is what he looks like so that there would be no excuse mm -hmm. that we would know who the creator is mm-hmm Exactly. And that's what I think is so interesting that the pluralist take is that I'm the objective worldview, right. not realizing that, you know, you're not the definition of inclusivity and the base, like the default, like way of thinking and everybody else is just so caught up in their own opinion, but they're actually contradicting their own, like a pluralist is taking a stance because all those other religions, it's not just... Be those like there are genuine Hindus, genuine Buddhists, genuine people that this is what they believe. It's not just family uh, tradition. And the pluralists it almost it, it's the patronizing way that they look at religion is, I think, more disrespectful than someone. Oh yeah, that, definitely. That says, "Hey, we have a differing view. I believe that this is correct," rather than just saying all all of it is child's but, play. The, the, but the reality is, that, uh, many of those people who believe that don't even understand any of them. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're so different. Mm -hmm. Like in Christianity, the Bible says Jesus is the way and the only way to God. Yeah. It says that God was, or Jesus was, the Son mm -hmm. of God. In Islam, they don't believe God has a son. Mm -hmm. They don't believe Jesus was the son of God. Mm -hmm. You can't blend the two. It's not a matter of they're all right. Yeah. One has to be right, and one, just by virtue of the statement they're making, and, and Jesus made very bold statements. Yeah. Either he is or he isn't, Yeah. period. Mm -hmm. So if he is, he's the only way. Mm -hmm. If he isn't, then maybe there are all kinds of other ways. Exactly. But they all contradict each other. Exactly. Why is the pluralist giving an objective position, but we can't have that same objective position? If we take right. our blindfold, right. we can see the truth as well. You see what I'm saying here? We believe the same thing. In other thing. words, mm -hmm. the parable, as many college professors tell it, actually proves exactly the opposite to the point they're trying to make. They're trying to say yeah. that nobody has the truth when the rest of us are but going blind to uh, the blind. professor. That's an elephant. And we can do the same thing when it comes to religion. If we take off our blindfold, we can discover the truth. And that's what we try and do in apologetics. We try and discover the truth, which is giving evidence for what you believe. But sometimes you'll have somebody say this, um, look, come on, all religions teach basically the same thing. Have you heard that? Don't they all teach basically the same yeah, thing? Yeah, I was talking about, no. You know, you know, you gotta love one another. That's basically That's it. an ignorant person. Is that true? No, actually, it's not true. There's, there's a kernel of truth to it that most religions do have a moral code, and quite frequently a relatively common moral code, but not all religions teach that they ought, you ought to love one another. Certainly Satanism doesn't, right? Certainly what I would call Orthodox Islam doesn't. People who follow the Quran and the teachings and life of Muhammad, because if you look at the Quran and you look at the life and teachings of Muhammad, what the terrorists are doing, they're doing as a result of studying the Quran and the life and teachings of Muhammad. So that's not that's love your neighbor, as we are all now too well aware. But actually, there's a question you should always ask people. In fact, there are three questions you should always ask people when they come up with a statement or a statement about religion like this. Actually, this is great. Three questions for virtually anything. Here's the first question you ought to ask somebody. 
who says something like this. The question is, what do you mean by that? What do you mean all religions teach basically the same thing? And see what they say. What do you mean by that? Why is that a good question? I think, I think some of the, you know, one of the, when he says that, it's such a great point. Mm. Uh, what do you mean by that? I think that, and you saw this when you went down to Florida, when you'd ask a question, what they, I think people parrot mm. what they hear, assuming what they're hearing, gullible again. They're gullible. They think because they heard from someone they thought was intelligent, said something, so they assumed, I don't know why, true. I just assume it's true. Yeah. I'm gullible to believe the truth of it, and I never challenged it. And then people just accept it. He, they do it before, and they go, oh, yeah, sure. Mm. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And, and we assume they know, and they don't have a clue. So when you ask that question, it puts it back in their court to have to explain rather than in your court to ex explain puts them in their court like what are you talking about like mm. that makes no sense in fact when i say stuff like people have done that to me and mm -hmm. they'll make a statement i'll say can i be honest that that's i'll and i'll, I'll say I'll, I'll, I'll respectfully that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard <laughs> and and they're like what and then you get it and then you just ask them another question and they begin to see oh yeah that that wasn't smart Mm -hmm. That it is, I assumed it was an intelligent thought. Yeah. But when you stop to consider it, that doesn't make any even the slight bit of sense. No. And it, and they discover they don't even believe it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They just, it's just regurgitated info. You know, we've rejected truth and fallen for well articulated lies, right? Yeah. But he kind of talks about what you just said in this next part. This right here is known as a slogan. Isn't it? It's a common cultural saying. And few yeah. people stop to think about what it means. And if you ask them, what do you mean by that? Many of them will go, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> or the second question after that is, how did you come to that conclusion? And, and what I found and at this point when I have that discussion, it immediately goes into, I, I want to shift the topic. Because at that point, they're like, uh, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to lose the argument. So let's just change the topic. Mm -hmm. Then you discover that they back away. Yeah, exactly. Most people who aren't interested in, in any of what you're talking about, they just want to believe what they want and leave my beliefs alone. They will mm -hmm. transition or pivot yeah. to something else because they don't know why they believe what they believe. They just want you to think they do. Mm -hmm. So like what he's saying is such a common response is that they don't want that second question. Mm -hmm. um, how did you come to that conclusion? One, they, they either got to make up something mm -hmm. or, or say, well, I heard it in a class, and then they know they sound like an idiot. It usually version. goes after that. They'll go to the morality of God. Well, God just did. He committed right, genocide. Right, and, he did, right. and they'll bring up all these different hard, unanswerable questions. Which is, so then, you, their... which is then another th time, uh, how did you come to that conclusion? Exactly. And then they're like, well... And then they bring it up. And yeah. anything they bring up at that point is easily under... Uh, under uh, uh, literally you know. tore down. And but people that are genuinely seeking, they'll just be like, oh, like that's super interesting. They'll be like, and I had a guy tell me like, I was like, what do you think about all this? And he goes, I want to go back to church. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't know any of this stuff, right? So you can, you can, it's really easy to tell who's looking for truth and who just wants an argument. And at that time you just are. And that's why the, I think that's why the, every part of the Bible had it, the, 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 
not just the teachings in the Bible, but mm-hmm. how why did Jesus go to fishermen? Yeah. It wasn't just that the fishermen were better than anyone else. Hmm. Fishermen created this illustration for what we're doing. Hmm. You're fishing yeah. for souls. And you don't catch souls. You don't catch fish every day. Yeah. You catch the fish that are biting. And the mm. ones that are not, the ones that aren't searching for that lure that's out there, they, they just go right by it. And if we understand, you aren't going to catch everybody you preach to. Mm-hmm. You're going to catch the ones that the spirits have been dealing with exactly. their heart. But you'll that's never good. know. You have to go out expecting failure. When you go fishing, you mm-hmm. go out with the expectation, I may not catch anything. Exactly. I'm not a failure. It's not that I did terrible with it, but... I'm fishing for men. And those questions are lures that you will find the fish that are ready to bite. Exactly. For yourself? What are most people going to say at that point? Uh, uh, They're they're probably not going to have studied that, right? You can use these two questions with about anything you hear in religion or personally any other topic. Because you will find that most people in our culture today have a worldview built on slogans. Yeah, most, but a good number that's very good. They hear slogans like this and they take that. They hear another slogan. The Bible's changed throughout the centuries. Mm-hmm. They take Weed. that. The Bible was written long after Jesus. They take that. Evolution's true. They take that. And they put all of these slogans together and they go, this is my worldview. Never realizing any of the evidence behind any of those slogans, any of the real particulars behind any of those slogans. And they go skipping through life thinking, I really know what's going on. As soon as you question them on it, though, they run short of intellectual justification for the slogan in about three seconds. Somebody says, you ought not believe the Bible because it's been changed throughout the centuries. You say, how did you come to that conclusion? Have you studied the manuscript evidence for yourself? I'm not, you're not being mean here. You're just trying to find out where people are coming from. And every once in a while, you might find somebody who thinks they've studied exactly. it and has the truth. Except in our okay. culture, but if you confront that, you're being mean. What do you mean you're by that? How do you come to that conclusion? By the way, the third question is this. The third question is, have you ever considered, and then you can add what you want to add after that, have you ever considered this book, for example, like I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, or have you ever considered Mere Christianity, a great book on the Christian faith, particularly the moral argument, or have you ever considered Evidence Demands a Verdict, have you ever considered, you know, Tim Keller's Reason for God, you know, there's some good books out there, or have you ever considered this argument, you, if you ask it in that way, it's not as offensive. You don't, you don't have to refute, here's the thing I'm trying to say, you don't have the mm-hmm. obligation to refute what somebody else says. Yeah, that's, and that's the reality. I think uh, Christians are often put on the defense for things that they don't need to be defensive about. We don't, we're not defensive people. Mm-hmm. And you just have to have the ability, at the world has kind of told us that we have to support what we believe mm-hmm. in, in this, and certainly we should be able to support what we believe. There's mm-hmm. no question. But they can't just have a free pass to come in and start making claims that are not true exactly. and trying to put us in the corner mm-hmm. with with claims that aren't true. Ultimately, this whole idea of six blind men and uh, the elephant is really, you know, from the, the parable teller is all the religions are false. I have the objective, the uh, ob, like, you know, the objective worldview, right? Well, I, would, really I, that, I actually think that he's saying all of the religions aren't necessarily false. What they're trying to say is they're all right and have a piece of what the whole the is. Whole Right, but and even I, from the perspective of the parable teller, 
that like what many people say, and I think that's a lot what like the new age philosophy kind of is, is that the universalist approach is that if we just live a good life and we abide by the religion that we subscribe to, we'll somehow get there because it's, there's, there's something like bigger, but even, even that ideology, what is, where is their faith in? There is a fit, they have faith and they put their trust in something that's, that's different than all what we believe. We they just think we have a piece of it, right? But Christianity, like what I see, is when he said, you know, the reason why the objective parable teller can say that is he said, once I was blind, now I see. Literally, that's what happened uh, to all of us. Everybody that's become a Christian by the grace of the Spirit revealed the truth of Christ to us that attests that Jesus is the Son of God. Once we lived with a perspective and, you know, this uncertainty of how we do life, you know, what do we put our faith in? But the the Spirit attests to the Son of God that He is true. We had an encounter where we experienced the truth, and now, because of that, everything has changed. It's not just knowledge that we happened upon, right, right. but it was an evidence that God met us, and we know Him not like George Washington, but we know him like I know you, like I right, know him like right. a friend, right? Right. Well, and most, and and I think one of the major differences is to know God for who He is is what we're following. Every other religion that's out there is a moral structure. Mm-hmm. If you're good, <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, even within Christianity, we have religions, religious structures. It's all based on your behavior, whether or not you're going to make eternal life or not, because Mm -hmm. that's ultimately what religion comes down to. Uh, It's not just me having religion on earth. It's about what happens after I die. Exactly. The, what, what happens to me on earth, uh, many people, they walk down that road and they're not looking necessarily for the religion to to maybe help them in this life. They just want to know they're going to live in a better life later. Yeah. And they're trying to be good enough to be in another life mm-hmm. to to receive goodness in another life if there's another life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so most people who are religious are looking for a path to eternal life. Um, Fire but in Christian, Right, and it's about behavior. It's all yeah. based on behavior. Mm-hmm. That's why Christianity and Christians who've been Christians years... You say, well, how do you know they're a good Christian? Well, they don't drink, smoke, chew, or date girls who do. Yeah, uh, it's not about behavior. You know, you're a Christian not by what you don't do. You know, you're a Christian by what you do. Do yeah. the love you have for one another, and that's put in you through Christ. Yeah, you, that relationship with Christ. As you spend time with Him, you become like Him. Mm-hmm. And and grace, what Christ did on the cross, is pretty incredible because yeah. it gives us the favor to do that. And He will be the what is so beautiful, and what you can be assured in knowing is that the judge of the life that you live, whether you deserve eternity or you. Well, everybody's in it. No eternity, but whether you deserve the lake of fire or eternal life with the Father, the judge of that will be the one that died for us while we were enemies of his. Right. He gave the gift of mercy that it's on us if we accept it or not. That'll be our judge. So if you've accepted that free of gift of grace and you have and you know him like a friend, you should have nothing to worry about because you are going 
to meet him. And he is going to be the one that judges your life. And the good thing about it is our judge is also our advocate to those that have put their faith in him, that he is the reason that why, why we are righteous, that he is the reason that we are made clean and atoned for before the Father and able to inherit eternal life. And, and you know what else is, this is also an, crazy, because you and I both, all of us, deserve hell. Yeah. And because of Christ, he gave us eternal life yeah. in heaven mm-hmm. and in new earth, new right? Yeah. We don't have to do another thing. Exactly. To attain that. Mm-hmm. But isn't it interesting that as people discover God more yeah. through Christ, mm-hmm. how they make sacrifices in their life they don't need to make for eternal life. Yeah. They do things behaviorally that you don't need to do to improve your eternal life. Now, exactly. there is a reward when we get to heaven, but most people do them because of something in their heart. For instance, um, fasting. Nobody wants to go seven days not eating food. Yeah. And we're all going to heaven. It's not like I'm going to get to heaven more than I was before a fast. I don't need to fast to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. But why do I fast? Well, because it brings, it literally removes my flesh out of the way and causes to be, to be more spiritually sensitive. Mm-hmm. And as much as I hate not eating... I enjoy the spiritual part mm. of fasting, mm. and so I pursue it. So it's way beyond just eternal life for the believer. Exactly. It's, there's something so real and powerful about it that you begin to make sacrifices, not an obligation to try to pr- improve your position yeah. in eternity, but but to because you love God, you do it out of this great love for God and mm. this relationship with God and and some say, well, I oh, I'm doing it because I want some uh, just a reward. Very self. It's for me, 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 me. No, mm-hmm. I'm doing it because it's just it's amazing, and I yeah. want other people to experience exactly. this in their life. Exactly. That's just it's just the equivalent, not the equivalent necessarily, but to your worldview, it's the equivalent of being like, man, I discovered a new recipe or a restaurant or a movie, and I really want you to see it because it was so good. It's right. the similar way, but. 10x in that of how great Jesus is. It's like, dude, you need to try this. It is crazy. But any closing thoughts on this? Well, whole I'm going to bleed today? to death on this set. <laughs> I'm, I think I went through like eight Kleenexes of blood here. There's a blood drive. We're going to sad to soak all the drain all the blood out of these Kleenexes, and I'll, I'll fill the vial of blood for someone. Yeah. Um, so give blood. I may you need give it. Blood. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to see if anybody would take the time to watch this. Count how many times he touched his face. If you're watching this back, how many times did he come and put a new? Or how many new Kleenexes he used uh, to literally? Th- this thing is I'm, I'm watching him right now, and the Kleenex is drenched with blood. I'm actually this, been, from. this is going on three three and a half hours, and it that's is not crazy. stopping. So I must have hit something. But yeah, that is wild. But I'm shedding my blood for this podcast right now. Just communion right there, right like there. nothing but the blood that makes us clean. So there you go. If anything that you take away, your your works legalism. That doesn't save you, but it's the evidence of the resurrection that does. So I hope that this uh, helped you as far as starting maybe that conversation with a coworker or a friend that maybe struggles with what you believe. Um, there and, is, and, and let me put something: those three questions that he asked, mm-hmm. I would encourage you if you're if you're driving or if you're listening to this work, 
write those questions down. Yeah. Memorize those questions. Get them into your memory. Use them as soon as you can with someone. Practice it with someone that you know mm-hmm. maybe is an atheist. And you say, well, do you mean pick a fight with them? No, I'm not picking a fight. Get into a discussion with them. Exactly. And then use those questions. So you mm-hmm. write them down because they really are what he said they are. They're great questions to have when, when addressing this. And I think, too, the other thing that I would suggest is when people come to you with questions, you don't have to know it all. Uh, the reason why you came to faith is because you have a testimony where you encountered a living God. Now, they might not know that, uh, and so you reason with them with things that they can comprehend or understand. That's why we do apologetics. That's why we do research. But don't be a Christian that operates the same way as the uh, as the the pluralist that comes against other religions that just has a slogan theology that, that you know, I just believe this or I know this just because I heard about it before, like, man, dig into it, like do a little research. Uh, One, it's fun and it bolsters your own faith. And two, like our goal is to become fishermen. And so it's time to 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 bait the hook uh, and reach your your community and spheres of influence. And you'd be surprised how much evidence there really is in this faith once you start digging. So and, I'd encourage you to, and, to and practice don't, this. And, and I think you, we got to get out of the habit of attacking other religions. Yeah. Spend more energy and time expressing and, and showing why you picked Christ. Exactly. What caused you to come to this point? You don't need to attack... You start attacking someone's religion, they're going to get defensive, and they will not be open to anything you have to say. So you don't go in and attack the religion. You let them bring out their own points, and you just you undercut that. But you just so I don't know. You ask questions of that point, mm-hmm. and then you show them why you believe what you believe. But a lot of Christians are great at attacking other religions and terrible at supporting what they believe. Exactly. So true. So we pray this blessed you. Uh, be praying for Pastor James in the comments that his face heals. Uh, but we'll see you guys next week.